Good morning again, church. It's good to see everyone here in the building and uh, everyone ready to go and eager to uh, praise God this morning. Um, <clears throat> the Well, let, let's start off by um, doing this. Obviously, we know that uh, Jesus Christ is our, our Lord and Savior. Um, we know that uh, He has done so many wonderful things for each and every one of us. Um, as the song goes, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Those, that's a very important exercise to do, um, if not uh, once a week, every single day. Uh, maybe before you go to bed at night to focus not so much on how things didn't go. Maybe they didn't. Um, maybe the plan wasn't executed as perfectly as you would like it to. Um, maybe the, the goals that you had in mind, you didn't achieve them. Maybe you failed um, and fell, um, in some way, shape, or form, uh, fell short of whatever it is that you were hoping to do. But certainly, it's important to count those blessings every single day. And what is the penultimate of, of blessings that... Uh, that we have um, as Christians, as members of the body of Christ, those who have um, accepted the obligation and responsibility to live um, and to die uh, for the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, that blessing that we get is eternal life. That's the penultimate, an opportunity to be with God and Christ uh, forevermore in heaven. Now, that that blessing, if you can't think of any other blessings in the, in the day, that's one you can, if you've been living as you should, of course, is one that you can hold on to every day of the week. Mm -hmm. um, if you can't think of something, that should keep you going before, or put a smile on your face when you go to bed. But what if that isn't something you can say at the end of the day? Um, maybe... Um, there is maybe there was as, as, as a part of the failing of the day, um, maybe you fell from grace. Maybe maybe sin was involved. Um, maybe there was something that uh, you did in the dark um, that uh, precludes you from being in the light. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a few moments. And when you take stock of the blessings at the end of the day and you can't think of one, uh, for sure, eternal life is not uh, a blessing for you at that time. What are you left with? So, uh, and, and Sister, Sister Bill was mouthing the word despair. And I, and I would say depression. I'd say, um, you know, just falling into a pit, if you will. I was watching a program uh, the other day, and, and this will kind of, uh, I'm working my way to the title lesson this morning. I was watching a program the other day about stress and how we manage stress. Now, um, and, and again, this is a hypothesis. I'm, I am not a, a doctor of any kind, so I'm just sharing with you something I, 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 I saw um, on the Internet. Um, reputable source. Um, she seemed to be, you know, she seems to have all the credentials that would align with somebody who knows what they're talking about. Yet and still... Um, her words are not the gospel. There's only one gospel. So I, I use this as reference only. But what she was talking about, she was talking about stress and how typically, um, you know, previous to, uh, you know, modern science, if you will, that uh, stress has always been thought of as something that is not good. Um, it's not healthy. It's not something that um, will lend itself to longevity and, and, and life. Um, and so this, this, this woman talked about a study that was performed, and basically the results were that it's not necessarily the stress that's dangerous, it's how you deal with the stress, or how you view the stress. And what she went on to say is that um, when stressful times come, it's important to realize that stress is not necessarily something that she should be afraid of, 
but it's in it's your body signaling to you and this these are her words that it's an opportunity for you to rise to the occasion um, she mentioned that there's a bunch of different types of hormones that secrete into the bloodstream that allows your body to uh, perform in in light of this stress and she said stress isn't bad in and of itself it's how you view the stress how you deal with the stress how you react to said stress and that brought my mind directly to the book of james um, the uh, first chapter and we've read this a number of times uh, before um, and and i would say that there are there is a, another you know there's an old phrase that says what doesn't what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger um, you know the I'll give you another passage of scripture which says that uh, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you um, you know God will not tempt you beyond what you can what you can bear but with that temptation will provide a means of escape um, certainly in the book of James the first chapter in verse number one um, or verse number two rather it says my brethren uh, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trine of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Um, so, in essence, what the scripture is telling, the gospel, the truth, is that stress in and of itself is not, is, in and of itself is not a bad thing. Um, it is a means of honing and perfecting and making us entire. And as the verse says, wanting nothing. You know, when we fall into diverse temptations, when we find ourselves in stressful moments where um, our souls, um, and I don't even want to say our souls, but our body and our souls, or, or rather our body and our spirit, mm -hmm. is a better way of putting it, are in direct conflict with one another. Um, that can lead to stressful moments. Um, when you are tired, or when you are going through a rough time, what do you do? I eat. You probably can't tell from my chiseled physique, but um, I am a stress eater. I, I love to eat. Um, I probably have a parasite in my gut somewhere, but um, in any case, I do love to eat. Um, certainly when I'm stressed. Now others, it, it may be a, uh, that, manif that may manifest itself in a, in a different way. But what Jesus is, what the gospel is telling us here in, in James, the first chapter, is that we should count it all joy. We should not fall into despair. Uh, we should not be sorrowful or, or depressed when we fall into these diversities of temptations. Um, because we know that it is a it is through it is only through that process that we are made perfect and entire. Now, how does that tie into blessings? And then, by virtue, how does that tie into this uh, the tie of my lesson, which is the connection between love and obedience? So, um, when I was listening to the woman talk, another thing struck me is that you know when you're stressed. Um, whatever the case may be, you lose sight of what you're working for. At least for me. When I'm, when I'm stressed out, I lose sight of all the beautiful things that are going on in my life. It is as if the blinders come on. It is as if I can't see the forest but for the trees. It is as if I can't see the grand scheme when I gets totally focused and, and, and overcome by this specific issue. If I don't got any money and there's some bills that got to be paid, guess what? I get stressed out, right? There's, as uh, the Marzettes have, have finally have gotten into this uh, saying of mine, right? As it comes in, it goes out. Well, sometimes too much goes out <laughs> or not enough comes in. Right. But those are moments when I get stressed out and I get super focused on this one thing so much so that I lose sight of the grand scheme of things that I lose sight of 
I've got my health. I've got my wife. I've got my kids. If they take the house, the cars, I lose my job. I've got, you know, 15 other people I can, I can live with. I'm volunteering your home to me, right? But the same would be true for you, right? I've got a place to stay. If all else fails, I've got a place to stay. I've got a, uh, some food I can feed my belly with, right? I'm blessed. I'm breathing. And, and certainly if I've been living as I should and studying, doing all the things that, um, that are uh, become of a, uh, of a faithful Christian, be like, what, what is there to worry about? Amen. I've got eternal life waiting for me. So it is joyful when you fall into those diverse temptations, if you have the right mindset. If you have the right mindset that even in spite of those stressful moments, I can divert my attention back to what really matters. And when I do that, it's a, it's a joyful occasion. Have you thought of this in this frame of context that God has given you an opportunity to focus back on him? Mm-hmm. By taking a little bit back, by taking something away, some comfort that you find in your life, he's, he's taking that away from you to open you up to realize that you are, that you are a child of his. It's almost as if he's, he's peeling away all the layers of the onion to get you to see the truth of the matter. And that's the joy that can be found when you fall in those diverse temptations. Now, if you don't believe me, or if you don't believe the scripture, certainly I'm, I'm only God's mouthpiece this morning. Um, go back and read it. Okay, you may not grasp this. Go to uh, Mark, the uh, 12th chapter. Mark, the 12th chapter, and verse number 41. And here's where we get to love and obedience. Now, in order to make your abode, or excuse me, rather, in order for Christ and God to make their abode with you, in order to be in the light, in order to um, be a partaker of the promise, in order to be able to say at the end of the day, you know, when you're taking stock of all of the things that you're blessed with, Um, To be able to, if you can't think of anything else, say, I'm blessed to be a child of God and be uh, a partaker of the promise of eternal life. In order to have that, you have to be in Christ Jesus, and Christ Jesus has to be in you. In Mark, the 12th chapter, and verse number 41, um, there was a commandment in the Jewish law. And um, part of that commandment was... And this was all, um, again, back in the day, they didn't have social services the way that we have social services, right? So the Jewish administration of the synagogue, um, or rather in order for Jews to get some means of support from the government, um, it was required by law that all citizens had to pay in. They had to pay a little bit into the treasury, and then those funds would be distributed out um, accordingly. And it says um, in Matthew, the 12th chapter, in verse number 41, it says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember what I just mentioned about uh, our contribution. Now, for as, as, as much as people strain and hold on to their money, that is the easiest way you can show love. I mean, if you are a, a someone who has difficulty showing love, that's a slam dunk. Just flick a couple quarters, a couple pennies, a couple dollars, whatever, you know, pull out some lint, take the lint out of the, out of the quarters or coins in, in your pocket and throw it in there, right? Um, to the extent... The brotherhood, the churches of Christ, we don't audit how much money individually you put in. I mean, obviously we have to account for it collectively. But you can put in two pennies and be a multimillionaire and narrow one of the brethren here in this building would bat an eye. We wouldn't know. We don't look. We don't account for it. 
So Jesus is sitting on the side of the treasury, right? And he's making an observation. And he is observing how you know, people are putting their money in, but he's making an account. Not to dollars and cents, but he's making uh, an observation. And he sees that many that were rich cast in much. It says in verse number 42, There came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites. And uh, these are small copper coins. Um, if, if Google is, is correct, it's like, a, so a denarius is, in today's money, is $3.62. Two mites is two cents. $3.62 was the average, was the average wage that a, a laborer back in, back in those times would make. Now, $3.62 to us is not a whole lot, but to them, it is, I mean, that's a day's worth of earnings. So I take your hourly wage, multiply it by eight hours, that's how much. This poor widow only had two cents. And it says she threw in two mites, which make a farthing, and he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this widow has cast more in than all that have cast into the treasury. Now, why would Jesus say that? I mean, from a monetary standpoint, that is not the case. Mm -hmm. um, so we know, we know that he's talking about something entirely different. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. And he says in verse number 44, for all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Okay, now here's where the goose flesh even comes up even more. What was her want, brothers and sisters? She was a poor widow. Not only was she... Not only did she not have a husband, um, and I would say just based on you know how this how this this story is laid out for us here in the scripture, that she didn't have any other person of famil familial relationship to care for her. She had nobody but herself, and on top of that, she was poor. Now this may not. And I'm, and I'm trying to put this into words as best I can, but imagine a time when there's no March of Dimes, there's no Social Security, there's no welfare system, right? She is a poor widow, meaning she has to work in order to feed herself. Talk about stress. Talk about the gravity of her want. And, and I wish I was more eloquent of speech because I can feel it in my body and maybe I'm not speaking it as, 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 as much as, well, I want you guys to feel it as much as I am. But think about this woman's want. She was a poor widow. She had nobody to lean on in her life. She had very little money. She had two mites that made a farthing. I mean, a mite, brothers and sisters in Christ, I sweep up pennies at the laundromat and throw them in the trash. I know. I know. But I am, my abundance is so great that I would sweep up a mite, a bunch of mites. I mean, I wouldn't even been over to pick them up unless it equaled 25 cents. But I sweep them up. And I toss them in the trash. That is, and, I, and I'm not saying that to, to boast. I'm just trying to, trying to help conceptualize the state that this woman was in. Oh, man. I throw it away. And yet and still, when money gets tight, my, my lovely wife knows this, when money gets tight, guess what I do? I'm stressing out. I'm thinking... Where's, where, where's the money? Where are the resources going to come from? 
You know, I got these bills to pay. And then I'll turn around that same evening and sweep up pennies and continue to throw them in the trash because I'm too lazy to bend down and pick them up. I think it's a penny. I've got to accrue a hundred of these just to make one dollar. My bills are a lot more than that. I've got a lovely wife, right? She's working too. I've got all of you. Some are working, some are retired, but y'all got some money. And if I had a need, I know that I could go to you just as well as you could come to me. But this poor widow had no one to go to. And it says, this is what Jesus says. For all they did cast in of their abundance. They had money to spare. They had money that was just left over. They really had no use for it, but they thought, you know what? It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm, I'm religious or spiritual or whatever a case may be. It, it, it warms my heart. You know, dot, 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 dot. But the poor widow, this is what it says, she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Out of the abundance of her want, she gave everything that she had. Now that just puts goose flesh all over my body. And Jesus says that because of that mentality, because of the quality of that giving, the quality of the intention, the quality of the depth that she had to go into in order to do that, those two farthings, those two mites that became a farthing were more valuable than any amount of money that was put in that treasury. So I ask you, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, a question, a food for thought. In the abundance of your want, when you find yourself in times of want, times of assistance, times of rescue, times of comfort, whatever the case may be, maybe in those moments where you feel like this poor widow, out of the abundance of your want, are you willing and able to give all that you have? That's a tough one. That's something that, well, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm growing just like all of you. Um, it's something that uh, I struggle with uh, all the time. Because in abundance of my want, I'm not willing to give up all that I have at times. I want to hold on to it even more. It's like, with a stronger grip, Sister Garner knows this, out of the abundance of, uh, of the want, when she wants stuff and ain't, or <laughs> she's smiling at me under the mask, I can tell. Um, I can tell when she's smiling because she smiles with her eyes. So, uh, and I can also tell when she's mad because she's, she scowls with her eyes as well. So I'm, I'm in good footing here. Is in the abundance of her want or the abundance of our want, I hold on to it. And I'll be, the, I'll be and, and God, God knows this. So I'm not saying anything that the Almighty already doesn't know. Is that at times when the contribution plate comes around, in the abundance of my want, I hold on to it and I don't give it. Why do we read 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, starting at verse number 6? Okay. Um, let's go back and read it just for the sake of the recording. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and verse number 6. Paul says this. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Out of the abundance of her want, 
This woman gave all that she had, even all her living. Continuing on in 2 Corinthians 9, chapter and verse number 6, it says, And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he according as he hath purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a true forgiver. Why do we read that, brothers and sisters in Christ? Because that's the truth. You get what you well, you get let me rephrase it. You get what you give is what Paul is saying here. And it's certainly what this poor widow had faith in, so much so that she was willing and able to give all that she had. She knew that if I give all that I have, God in turn will bless me with an abundant harvest. And it's happened throughout biblical history. It's happened in your life. How many times have you just said, you know what, I'm just going to give it and whatever happens, happens. And guess what? Every single time without fail, you find what you need. It comes to you. It's a boomerang. What you get, what you give is what you get in return. Now, here's where we get here. Here's where we get to the topic of love and obedience. I'm 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 building up to this. So we've talked about we've talked about love many times. And um, just to kind of set the stage for for this part of the lesson, um, go to uh, first jump. And um, first on the third chapter. And verse number 16. Brother Marzette, can you read that for me, please? Hereby, hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Okay. Brother People Jr., read that same verse, please. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Sister, uh, Brother Bill, read that verse, please. Okay, Brother, no, it's okay. We're just going to go around the room here. Brother Garner the third, read that, please. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Okay. What is that what does that verse mean? What why why is it that we all should read this? And and be comfortable with doing this. As I mentioned many, many times before. The love of God is a love of self-sacrifice. I, I, I can't play that. I can't. Re well, the scripture repeats it over and over and over and over and over for a reason, because it is extremely important to realize that the love of God requires you to lay down your life for the brethren. It requires you to sacrifice yourself for the needs of others. That is how we perceive the love of God. Nobody has seen God and lived. We know that God is love. And we perceive God in that type of love. When we lay down our lives, when we sacrifice ourselves for one another. That means... You remember I was telling you about this treasury and how these monies will be collected and then distributed to all those who had need. This woman, this poor widow, was willing to sacrifice her entire living 
for the benefit of other people. Okay. I've got it clear in my head. I, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm... Okay, go to Matthew, the uh, 10th chapter. Matthew, the 10th chapter, starting at verse number 37. Matthew 10 and verse number 37, it says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. But he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. It's not so much that we are that we love one another that I lay down my life for you. It's even more so that I lay down my life for you because I love Jesus Christ and that he laid down his life for me as well. All of these things require sacrifice. You have to sacrifice. You have to give up what you hold most dear to yourself in life. And it is only through those moments when you are stressed out, when that thing that you find comfort in has the potential to be taken away from you, do you have an opportunity to show the type of love that God wants all of us to show from one another. Brother Bill, don't worry about the verse. Brother Bill, don't worry about it. I, I, I don't want to. I want to sound like the professor that requires the attention of all of his students, but um, I think the scripture really wants us to to kind of conceptualize this. We should be the happiest people on the planet Earth, even more happy when we're stressed out, because that is an opportunity for God. God is presenting us an opportunity to show and prove. Our love for Him, our love for Christ, and our love for one another. Okay, go 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 and look at uh, first first uh, first John. Um, just going to touch on a, a few more verses. Um, let's look at first John the third chapter again. <clears throat> in verse number 20. It says, uh, first on the third chapter in verse number 20. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Okay. What, what heart is the, the Bible talking about? It's talking about the mind, right? And if our mind condemns us, you know what this is saying? I've got some bills to pay. But I know Brother Marzette Jr. needs food. Now, I could either pay these bills or I could buy Brother Marzette Jr. some food. Now, my heart, my mind is going to condemn me for doing the latter. You want to know why? Because I have responsibility to pay these bills. But you know what the scripture says? God is greater than your heart and knoweth all things. He knows the right choice. He knows what is going to happen. He knows the correct path for you to go down. So it doesn't matter if your heart or your mind condemns you, condemns you from showing a love of self-sacrifice. God is greater than your mind. God is greater than whatever conflict is going on in your brain about how I should spend these limited funds. It says, for God knoweth all things. It says in verse number 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then what do we have? Then we have confidence toward God. So I got bills to pay, right? And in most cases, let's just keep it real. I have those bills probably because I was trying to keep up with the Joneses. I have those bills because I spent that money, which I knew even beforehand I shouldn't spend. But I wanted this or I wanted that. I overextended myself. I know how much money I make. 
But yet still sometimes I make choices that put me beyond my means. Heather calls it, Sister Garner says I'm cheap. <laughs> but I would say I'm not cheap enough. Right? And because there are moments, and, and I'm not speaking to people who are not cheap. That's not what I'm saying. If, if you have the means and the ability to buy a bunch of nice things, if God blesses you with that ability, all glory be to God. Right. If he hasn't, regardless, you need to live within your means. Because in those moments where God is giving you an opportunity to, uh, to manifest his love, you can just do it. For the scripture says, if, if our heart doesn't condemn us, then we have confidence toward God. And here's the capper in verse number 22. And whatsoever we ask, get this, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because, what? We keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So that's where it all ties in together. It all fits nicely. Love and obedience, stress management, sac uh, love of self-sacrifice. Scripture says here that in those moments where we have need or we stress that if we go to if we go to God in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and you can read in there, it, Jesus tells us, whatever you need, pray for it in my name and you will receive it. First John is telling us the exact same thing, that whatsoever you ask, you will receive because of what? Because of what? Because you have been obedient to the commandments of God and have done those things that are pleasing in his sight. And guess what things are pleasing in his sight? Mm -hmm. To lay down your life, to give what you have in support of those who don't, or in support of those who have need, excuse me. To lay down your life for the brethren. Let's go to the scripture reading, and then I'll conclude. Um, John, the 14th chapter. Starting at verse number 15, as it pertains to obedience to the commandments, getting what you want when you need it, or getting a need when you want it. You can flip that coin over, that phrase under both, uh, both sides. Again, in John the 14th chapter, in verse number 15, Jesus says, if you love me, if you love me, Keep my commandments. What are the commandments of the gospel of Jesus Christ? There are only two. Actually, there's only one. There's a part 1A and a part 1B. The commandment in the New Testament scripture, the only commandment in the New Testament scripture, part one is that you love God, with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. The second part is that is like unto the first part, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And not just the good ones, but also the bad ones. Love is the commandment of the New Testament Scripture. And Jesus says, if you love me, you have to keep my commandments. And here's what he says. If you keep my commandments, or if you love me by keeping my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, the world can't get it, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. And you know why it can't see the Spirit? is because they can't perceive the love of God. 
I'm going to let that just kind of settle for a second. The world... Okay. Jesus said, even in rare occasions, one would lay down their life for a good man. In rare occasions would that happen. See, the world can't, can't, can't know the Spirit or receive the Spirit because they can't perceive this overarching concept of sacrificial love. Meaning, you cannot show someone true love until you sacrifice yourself for them. See how that works? I can't, my, my wife cannot know the love that I have for her until I first sacrifice everything that I hold dear for her benefit. Until then, she, she, she can't perceive that love. She can't truly know that love. You know, one may say, Thomas, I think you're strange for this statement, but, you know, you think about... Uh, um, Soldiers on the battlefield, right? A Marine, infantryman, whatever the case may be, right? It is the greatest honor to die for God and country, as they say, or country and God is probably the real statement. Or maybe just country. How about that? Mm -hmm. They die on the battlefield for their country. They give up their lives mm -hmm. for the country. And as a result of that, everyone will see the love that they have for their country and that they're willing to die. Sometimes I think about, you know, if, if I had to fight for Heather's life. Like I was in a, a gladiator ring and they said, Thomas, we have your wife. We're going to keep her. But you have to show that you love her. Right? And I'm like, ah! Right? I'd be in this battle with this you know, one-eyed cyclops or something, and we'd be fighting, and he'd cut my head off. And right before he does so, I say, Sweetie C, I love you. Right? And then, poof. And then she'd be like, you know what? Yeah, that guy really did love me. When he said, I do, that makes sense. Right? But the world can't perceive that concept, so they can't know the Spirit. And I digress, but I'll get back. So verse number 17, even the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, meaning I will not leave you out there where you feel like you have no one, where you fall into the pit of despair or depression, right? Stress is just so great. You feel like you're on an island. You can't deal with it. You don't have any friends. You can't talk to anybody. Uh, and I'm, I'm using these words purposely because those are all complaints. Those are all childish, um, childish ways of thinking, especially if you are a man or woman of God. You always have somebody to talk to. You always have somebody with you. Just as Jesus told his disciples in this verse that he would not leave them barren or comfortless. He would send them somebody and it's... It's very important to, to, to understand the purpose of the word comforter. He would send them somebody to make them feel better, to make them, to, to pull them back from the precipice of despair. And that was and is the spirit that each and every one of us have gotten through baptism. So, all those childish thoughts, I don't have anybody to talk to. Oh, nobody understands what I'm going through. And yes, yes, I'm mocking. Because you should feel bad when you have those types of thoughts. Because Jesus Christ was tempted in all ways that you've been tempted. He has gone through, maybe not specifically all of the minute details of your experience, but he has been through that experience. And having gone through those experiences, the book of Hebrews tells us that he is the perfect mediator between us and God. Mm 
Amen. You may say you don't have any friends. Jesus said, no man can show any, what is it? No greater love can a man show than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And ye are my friend, if ye do whatsoever, uh, I, whatsoever I have commanded you. We have a friend with Jesus Christ. Right. It requires our obedience, but we've got him. We've got a friend. You are not friendless. Yeah. And again, all of this hinges around keeping the commandments of God, being obedient. If you are an unrighteous sinner, an unfaithful member of the body of Christ, yeah, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe you don't got any friends. Well, let me just phrase it. Yeah, you are right. You don't have any friends. Is it dark? Yes, because you are in the darkness. So why don't you come back into the light where your friend is? Why don't you come back into the light where the comforter is? Why don't you come back into the light where love, joy, peace, that passeth all understanding is? Just come on back. It goes on to say... In verse number 19 of John, the 14th chapter. Yet a little while and the world seeth you no more, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. <clears throat> at that day shall and at that sorry, at that day, you shall know that I am in my father and ye in me and I in you. He that keepeth my commandments and keepeth them or sorry, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So the, the, the betrayer, Judas, I'm sorry, not Judas, sorry, wrong Judas. Judas, which is not Iscariot, as it says in verse number 22, asks the question, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us? And not into the world. Why, how is it that we can see you or we'll be able to see you, but the world can't? Mm -hmm. Jesus responds by saying, If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So just to sum this up here. I could look at probably a half a dozen other verses which, which speaks to this point, which is, if you have fellowship with Christ, or if, if Christ is in fellowship with you, you guys are you know, God, the Son, and the Spirit are making their abode with you. First mm -hmm. Corinthians tells us that don't know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. We are the residing place. We are the platform through which God, the Son, and the Spirit have an ability to connect with us in our lives. If you are in the light, you've got a friend. As I stated, if you are in the light, you have comfort as Jesus has stated here. If you are in the light, you are able to count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that those temptations tries your patience, strengthens your faith, makes you perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I'm paraphrasing John, uh, excuse me, James, the first chapter. If God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have made their abode with you, you're in the light, and the darkness can't touch you. Amen. You are untouchable mm -hmm. by the darkness as long as you remain in the light. And the only way to do that is to know the commandments and to keep them. Mm -hmm. First John tells us we love God when we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Mm -hmm. 
It's the love of self-sacrifice. Are you willing to give up yourself to love God? Are you willing to give up all that you had in order to love God? Or rather, to keep His commandments. So the lesson is yours this morning. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. John the 14th chapter and verse number 27. So if you're here this morning and you need that peace, you need that comfort, you need some respite from from worry or despair, it's in the light. Jesus is in the light. God is in the light. The Holy Spirit is in the light. It's right there for you. All you have to do is come on back. Certainly if you are not living as you should, you can come to God right now in the spirit of repentance and ask Him for forgiveness and get back into that light and find Joy, peace, and understanding. Find the answers to all of the all the issues that pertain to life and godliness are in the light. If you are not a member of the body of Christ, you need to hear the oneness of the body, the oneness of God, the oneness of hope, the oneness of faith, the oneness of baptism. You need to believe it. You need to repent of your wayward living. Confess the name of Jesus Christ before men and then go down in that water, your grave of baptism. As states in Acts, the second chapter and verse number 38, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, for the remission of sins in order to obtain the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you're in the light. But you have to stay in the light and live faithfully until death in order to obtain a crown of life. For all of us here here physically in the building, And for all of us on the the prayer line, for all those on the prayer line, it's important to count your blessings every single day. Mm -hmm. Name them one by one. It has nothing to do with how much money you got or how big your home is or how fancy your car is. What God is wanting us to count is those spiritual blessings that He gives to us that we all get freely by being in the light, and thus by keeping His commandments. So thank you very much for your time and attention. We'll sing the song of invitation. If anybody has need, please come forward. Thank you.